Welcome to Lux's Litter Box. My name is Sean. Each week, my friend Cole and I talk about Davidson sports and A10 basketball. But honestly, it's just a platform for Cole to rant about disc golf. Right now, we're in the middle of the A10 2021 road trip preview. Each week, we talk to a different community member from one of the 14 teams in the A10 about their school. You can check our Twitter, at LLB underscore podcast, to see which week we break down your school. Thanks so much for joining us, and welcome to the road trip. Hello, and welcome back to Lux's Litter Box. Um, this is actually only two days after we recorded the last one, so it's been a little bit of a rush, but we're glad to be back this week with another episode, and this time, Sean, who do we got? We have the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> we have the boss man, as Cole has described him, Chris Pyle. And today we're going to be talking about Dayton basketball. Yeah. So, Chris, how are you doing today? I'm tired. And that intro was not needed, but I appreciate it. I mean, I really did nothing to be at the helm of A10 Talk, but I mean, I really just showed up and Grant Lebetz was just like, hey, you want it now? And I said, sure. But uh, yeah, I'm doing all right. It's I long work days and I'm just, you know, th- this is probably the first time I'm going to talk about Dayton hoops and A10 hoops in a while. So I'm, I'm pumped to get pumped to get started about this. Yeah, we're so glad to have you on. Me and Sean are also a little bit tired and cooked because we just participated in a very famous Davidson tradition, the cake race. Yeah. So we just ran. I'm not going to say anything, but I may or may not have beaten um, some really good Davidson basketball players. Basically, freshmen, normally, they run a mile and a half around campus. And then the winners of the race get to choose cakes, basically. Cole is a speedster, apparently, and he just cooked me. Uh, but yeah, that was a really fun Davidson tradition. We got to do it because the cake race was canceled our freshman year. So freshmen and sophomores were able to do it this year. Is there any Dayton traditions that are like really cool like that? Oh, yeah. man, where do I start? I mean... If you were talking like family friendly stuff like that, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think the biggest thing is just like, it's called up the orgs at Dayton. And basically it's like all of the organizations, like it's not really a tradition, but it's kind of fun. I don't know. You get to like go around and like all the organizations from campus, like go into like the middle of like what's called KU field and like right outside of like the student union like you get to like try out like kind of a little bit of tryout of like all the different like organizations, clubs and teams and fraternities and whatnot. So like, that's a lot of fun, but I mean, as far as like basketball, when I went there for the first two years, Xavier was still in the conference. So we did like a March from campus all the way across the river to the arena. Cause the arena is not really on campus across the Miami river. So it's usually like in February, it's a home game and it's like in the morning. So it's, there's snow on the ground and people have had a couple of juice boxes and, you know, they go across the, across the river and do a little rally in the parking lot. So it's a lot of fun, but I mean, there's tons of stuff like that, just little things and some are family friendly and some are a little bit more adult, but it's all, it's all fun and the same, right? We're definitely looking forward to getting to experience Davidson's basketball traditions because honestly, we, we haven't really gotten to, to do that at all yet. Yeah, no, I've not <clears throat> ever been to a Davidson game in Belk Arena, and I'm already a sophomore, which feels kind of weird. But so I'm hoping this year is going to be a great year for A10 basketball in general. So moving on, let's talk a little bit about last year, Dayton basketball last year. How would you describe the season? What are just your general emotions about? that 2020 to 2021 campaign? Well, 
I mean, it felt like a hangover from the previous season because everyone knows what happened, you know, in 2019, 2020 had an awesome year. And all of a sudden it just stops, you know, uh, rug gets pulled out from underneath you, you know, it hit a lot of players hard, hit a lot of fans hard. So going into the season, I, I think we, we kind of played ourselves a little bit as a fan. And I think it's because we were bringing back a decent chunk of the team that went 29 and one, but we were kind of not, we weren't realistic about the other pieces that came with it and the pieces that left Obi Toppin being gone, Ryan and Trey leaving or graduating. That was just hard. And then coming in, losing Dwayne Cohill to an injury, just, I, I feel like a lot of us still thought, okay, we're a tournament team. Like we, we got some young talent, like Jalen's coming back. Evie's back. Rodney's back. Jordy can play some meaningful minutes. And then, you know, we thought, yeah, this could, this could be a tournament team. And after the non-con, I think they went four and one in the non-con. We thought we were set up well to make the tournament. As long as we didn't drop any bombs in the A-10 conference slate. Well, and then everyone knows what happened there. You lost at home to LaSalle. You lose on the road at Fordham. Just two things that can't happen at all. From there, it was like a lost season. And as fans, we just kept sitting there wondering like, wow, what did we do to deserve this? When we had, you know, an incredible year, you turn around and you get your hopes up because you're still kind of feeling high off that year and that previous season and not being realistic with yourself about the actual talent of this team. And you can kind of see it from the players, especially the ones that were on that 29 and one team and hearing from just people from campus that know them pretty well and other family members and people that know them or connected to them. Like they suffered mentally, like really badly. And it's just, you know, it, I, I think it was just a year to forget it happened, but you move on now. And that's, that's really like the doom and gloom of last year, but you got to kind of like hunt the good stuff as well too. So, I mean, for us, it was developing and helping grow the young talent that we had coming in. And, you know, it starts up front with Mustafa Amsil, you know, he looked like he belonged on the court as soon as he got there. Then you have Zimi Wokeji, um, who basically couldn't find his footing from the moment he got there. And then by the end of the year, you know, he drops a 29 point bomb at uh, Rhode Island. So, you know, there was a couple good things, but I think a lot of us don't look at that because we think about, you know, Oh, it's a COVID year. Like no one was in the arena. We just had the rug pulled out from under us and, and the big picture, just not a great year. But if you look for the good, look for some good stuff, like the development of the young players was, was something that I think we can take and move forward with. So I am still sort of relatively new to the A-10. And so I don't mean to kind of bring up more bad memories, but I am curious to see what your opinion is. Uh, Do you think Dayton had a chance during 2019 before COVID got canceled the season? Do you think they had a chance to compete for a national championship and maybe even win one there? Uh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I'm not going to say like, oh, they were a shoe in for a national title. Like our national title got taken from us, you know, like there there's those fans and, you know, everyone can be a fan, however they want to be. 
Um, but I mean, when you're in the NCAA tournament and you're going to be a, a one or a two seed, you have just a shot as anyone else of winning a national title. And we tell people all the time, and we say this every year as college basketball fans, like the diehards, it doesn't really matter what your seed is. It's almost like, what, what are your matchups? If Dayton ran into a bully team like they did against like Colorado last year, you know, they, they were going to have a tough time in the tournament, but if they tried to play teams like, like against like Davidson, who's a more offensively prone team, they would have played, you know, a team like St. Mary's, you know, those offensively prone teams like Dayton was going to blow them out of the water. Cause you couldn't, you couldn't keep up with us. And that was just like the facts. So, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think they could have absolutely won a national title, but I'm not going to, you know, guarantee it. Cause you don't know what the matchups are. I appreciate you not pulling a UCF with that and declaring yourselves national champions. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, because I, you know, obviously wasn't following Dayton from the perspective of a fan, it really seemed like uh, Mustafa Asmil came out of nowhere. So I kind of just want to hear more about like where he came from and like more about his season last year. And then what do you expect from him going into next year as, as uh, one of the better players on the roster? Yeah. So Moose, as we call him, he is from Helsinki, Finland, but he played at a prep school in Pennsylvania for when he came over to the States. He committed early to Dayton last year, but he was eligible because he was at a prep school. He's eligible to play. So he came and played the second semester. And honestly, he, I mean, just like all the other European players, like he has that European style to him, right? A lot of those Europe players, they come over, they can shoot, they can ball handle, they can ball out and score points, but the defense is always lacking. And that's what they say, you know, about Luka Doncic and the NBA, like his defense is lacking, but the dude can put up 30 points. I would say that's probably very similar to what I think about Moose. Last year he came in, he looked like he belonged right on the court. But defensively, you can totally tell that he was adapting to the American style of play. So this year, I think what we're really going to be looking for, because he's going to start, like there's no doubt about that. We're going to be looking for how does he handle defensively? Because he's the he's a long, lengthy, not a true center because he's 6'10", right? So he's this long, lengthy, almost plays like a small forward or, or a ball handling power forward. How does he handle those big bodies of the A-10? Because, you know, St. Louis is going to throw a big guy at him. You know, St. Bonaventure is going to throw Oshun at him. You know, Duquesne has also become that bully ball style down low. So even though he's not going to be primarily assigned to one of those like big heavy guys, teams are going to switch and they're going to try and get that matchup because they like, they're going to like that matchup against him. You know, it's going to be really interesting to see how he handles that and how much his defense has grown because his offense, it's there. There's, there's no doubt about that. All right. So I think now it's a time speaking about next year already. It's a look ahead at Dayton going into next year. In my opinion, Dayton is probably, you know, yes, of course, St. Bonaventure is going to be like ranked and, you know, Richmond's going to be probably decent unless they do the same thing they did last year. But despite that, I think Dayton really is the team to watch because if they do exceed expectations, then that means so much going forward for how good the top of the A-10 could be. So yeah, if you want to just introduce what Dayton's going to look like next year in terms of who's coming in, who's leaving, and all the excitement that's going to be around the program going into next season. Absolutely. So let's start with incoming players of, of freshmen, like our recruiting class. So 
it all starts with Deron Holmes. He's a top 50 player. He's our highest recruit ever. He's a four-star player, um, 6'8", 195-pound power forward. So he's a long, lengthy, and athletic player. So remember those terms, long, lengthy, and athletic. Plays like a guard, but can play down low. And he's probably the only, at least from my perspective, the only freshman that has a chance to start this season. Really versatile player. We're really excited to see this kid. Then it goes with uh, Malachi Smith, who is the brother of famous Dayton Flyer Scoochie Smith. Very short, six foot point guard, you know, from the Bronx, just like Scoochie. I mean, if he's anything like Scoochie, he will be the backup point guard because that's what Scoochie was his freshman year. His tape is really, really good if you ever find a tape on him. But he's looking like he's going to be off the bench as a freshman, as a point guard. Then you have Caleb Washington. He's a 6'7". 185 pounds, small forward from Georgia, long, lengthy, and athletic player. And, you know, he's just exactly what Anthony Grant wants. As tape shows, he can play on the ball. He can play off the ball. You know, really interesting player. His ranking, I think it's like just outside the top 100. So he's a three-star, but he could easily be a four-star player. And then you have Lynn Greer III. He's a 6'2", point guard from Philadelphia, uh, he's the lowest ranked on the list, but he looks like a pretty good player looking at his tape. Right now, I can see him being kind of the low man on a totem pole. This roster is very deep this year. Like Dayton could easily go 9-10 deep. Then you have the transfers. The biggest name on the transfer list coming into Dayton is Tumani Kamara. He's a big dude. He's a unit. 6'8", 220. Transfer from Georgia, played there for two years, and he was a starter. Um, he's actually from Belgium. So we're kind of becoming kind of what Davidson and George Washington do. They recruit from overseas and you'll see that coming, uh, coming up with more guys, but, uh, yeah, Tumani, he's a lefty. He's, he's got a lot of athleticism, um, at Georgia. He was big on the glass, which everyone saw was, is Dayton's usual biggest weakness is rebounding. And this guy is going to come in and he'll start and, probably help out with that rebounding issues that have happened in the past three years of eligibility left and he classifies as a sophomore this year right because everyone gets an extra year of eligibility and then you have i'm gonna mispronounce his last name i don't think i've heard anyone say it yet but is richard amanefile i think that's it and i'm sorry if that is wrong make fun of me i don't care he's six nine power forward from london england he's a transfer from east tennessee state he played about eight minutes a game, but didn't really contribute too much um, in points and rebounding and such. So he's a really unknown player. I don't really know where he fits in right now, but we'll see as we get into the season. And then you have Kobe Elvis, who's a transfer from DePaul. He's from Canada, played 20 minutes a game as a non-starter, averaged five points per game. Uh, but he shot 41% from three, which is pretty good. Um, and Anthony Grant loves to shoot the three and he loves his guards. And we think that he or Malachi Smith are going to be the backup, backup point guard off the bench for Elijah Weaver. And then one addition as a coach, which I think this is really important and really big for Dayton is James Kane. He, for the past couple of years, he's been an assistant coach at Iowa State. But he basically was a grad transfer at Florida in 05 when Grant was there under Billy Donovan. He's been at every single one of Grant's coaching stops um, along the way of Florida, VCU, Alabama, and now Dayton. He is 
famously known for after VCU going to Murray State, and he is famously known as discovering John Morant, which is a really fun story if you ever have time to look that up. And then he came to Dayton in the 17-18 season, and then he recruited Jalen Crutcher. And then he left after that year, went to Iowa State, and he coached Tyrese Halliburton, who's now in the NBA. So like this guy knows talent, he can recruit, he and Grant get along really well. And we think this is going to help with a lot of different things, like maybe things that Grant is struggling with, like Grant struggles a little bit with like time management and like timeouts and stuff like that, which I mean, every coach has their problems. Right. And we love Anthony Grant. It was obvious AG just needs his guy back. And that's what James Kane is. And he came back as far as returning players, Elijah Weaver, he's going to be our starting point guard. He did a really great job with assist to turnover ratio last year, since Rodney Chapman was injured and he kind of was a little bit of a turnover problem at point guard. Zemi Wakeji, he's going to, he's going to be back. I think he will start. He's another long, lengthy athletic player. RJ Blankney had some injuries last year, kind of has a little old man game to him, but I think he'll, he can either start or be the sixth man off the bench. Uh, then you have Mustafa Amzil, like we talked about and Toby Brea. He was like the last guy. He was the fourth guy in that recruit in that recruiting class that came in last year. He's a six, six guard. He has a beautiful jump stroke last year. Like we saw how he fit in offensively a little bit, but defensively he struggled a little bit. So, you know, we think he'll come off the bench this year, maybe one of the first two guys off the bench, but he's a really interesting prospect. So that's really the roster. And it just a lot of guys and that's just the nature of college basketball now with the transfer portal and guys just moving year after year after year it's a it's a mystery to be honest i mean we can get all excited about recruiting rankings and like this guy started at georgia and this guy was really good coming on last year but it it's a really young team and you know it, it's not going to be fluid early on that's all I really can probably predict. It's not going to be a fluid offense or a fluid team early on. They're going to have to play a lot together. There's going to be a lot of different lineups. There's going to be a lot of different five guys out on the floor because I think this team is going to be really deep. And if they're not, then I think we're going to be in a little bit of trouble, but we'll see. Um, I'm not really sure, you know, I guess why this happened. Like I know, for example, Davidson lost, you know, all their seniors weren't able to come back as a grad school and Dayton also is losing, you know, their seniors and some of their best players, like four of their best players, Jalen Crutcher, Abby Watson, et cetera. Obviously on the surface that probably, you know, kind of sucks, but I'm wondering if you think that there's any like bright side for that long-term, given the fact that like a lot of the newer players, you know, the 21st ranked recruiting class and the transfers and everything um, will get more minutes. If you think that it'll be good long-term that these bigger, um, older, more experienced players are leaving. You know, when I think about the season going into it, when the first like day of practice hit and like summer workouts are hit and they showed all the videos and stuff of stuff going on at practice, I was honestly really excited because it feels like the looming feeling of last year plus the 2019 2020 year it felt like it all was looming over us and the and the players and now like none of those players from that 29 and one season are here 
And it's almost like the program just turned over a new leaf. And, you know, now it's a completely different team. You know, the freshmen that played last year, like they didn't play, they, they weren't on that team that went 29 and one. So like, they didn't have any, like, Oh, you know, this, that was our year. And now I have no fans, blah, blah, blah. It was just, they just walked in and played the game. And I know it was weird for no fans, but everyone had that issue. Not just them. I will say this. If, if Jalen and Evie and Rodney and Jordy all came back this year, I mean, they're good players, but at the same time, they struggled because they were on that great team and it really affected them mentally. But now we don't have to worry about that anymore. Like the guys that are there, they're all brand, basically brand new and it's their team. Now it's their time. They're going to have fans back in the building, you know, all 13,000 of them. And it's a young team. So I mean, they seem excited. It doesn't seem like, you know, anyone looks down on, you know, what happened two years ago and a year ago. It just, it looks like a team that's just last year was a not so good year and we're not going to woe about it. Uh, and we're going to just get better from it, you know? Um, and that's, what's really exciting to me. Yeah. I mean, wow. I mean, that's just such like a, a cool perspective to hear. And I also got to think, you know, it's going to be exciting for the team and to see what they do, but also just from a fan perspective, like, yes, Dayton and VCU can recruit to an extent, but like for the average A-10 team, I mean, you don't get this like new young wave of high recruits and high exciting players like, you know, teams like Duke, Kentucky, UNC do. And the even cooler part about it is unlike those teams, most of them won't be like one and done. So you'll be able to see this team come in somewhat from scratch and then develop over four years. I, I would be really excited if I was a Dayton fan too. Yeah. I mean, the highest ranked recruiting class in, in our history, you know, and like, you just want to see what that looks like because you see it for other programs, what, what it does to their program. And, you know, if they pan out and they stay and then other recruits see that, and then they come out. So I'm just really, I'm really happy that last year sucking didn't really bring the program back down to what it was like pre 2019, 2020 year. It's just nice to see like the program still seems to be trending up and up and up. So that being said, what do you think about John Rothstein's a 10 season preview? Not a lot of people hold that with incredible weight, but it's a good baseline to look at. He has Dayton at fifth going in this year above them being what VCU St. Bonaventure Richmond and St. Louis. Do you feel like they could exceed expectations there or like it's a pretty solid spot? I mean, I think they can exceed expectations for sure. It's, you know, going into the season, it kind of seems like it reminds me a lot of the 2018, 2019 season. That was Obi's freshman year, Jalen's sophomore year and Grant's second year. That team had talent, but they were young and they hadn't played together. They looked like they had a lot of like game. They had so many close games against top tier opponents. Like they almost beat Virginia and they almost beat Mississippi state and they almost beat Oklahoma. Like they beat Butler, like that team, one or two more possessions, they have a tournament resume. Right. So, and you know, if this team goes and does that, but they win those games, then they will be, then I kind of think they'll exceed expectations. Plus 
I'm also looking at the other teams that he put up there. I think there'll be decent teams. Uh, St. Louis is kind of like a, like they're always going to be good, you know, like they're a top tier A10 team, but you know, they also lost two of their best players as well. So they're kind of a mystery team too. VCU losing bones. And I think they lost uh, Jameer Watkins, right? I think they lost him to the season. You know, how is that going to affect them? I don't think Richmond brought back Blake Francis and that's their leading score. You know, what are they going to look like without Blake? Even though they bring back a lot of experience and good players with uh, Sherrod now playing and, you know, Gilliard and Golden, you know, what does that look like without Blake? And then Bana's going to be Bana again because like that team was really good, but it's going to be really interesting. Their biggest weakness was their bench. You know, what is that bench going to look like? So, and for Dayton, you know, lots of talent, lots of promise, but what does it look like meshed together? So I think they can exceed expectations because there's unknowns about every single team in the conference itself, not just in the top projected five of Rothstein. Uh, so now we're going to move on to um, our last section of the podcast. We're going to be going off-roading, talking with you some with some more miscellaneous questions. Heck yeah. So what's your biggest Dayton hot take? It could be about basketball. It could be about the university itself, the city. I don't know. Cause like, I love everything about Dayton, but biggest hot take is, hmm, I think that they will, I think they'll make the top three of the conference. Like I'll just stick with basketball for right now. Um, Cause like, I don't know anything about cam- campus is so different now, but my, my take for the season is they will be top three at least. And do you think that there's any chance that Dayton finally gets their long-awaited A-10? Well, they've gotten one before, but not since 2003, right? Yeah, yeah. it's Maastricht. I actually don't really care about the Asterisk part because, like, we want it at home. But, like, you know, that's where, like, all the other conferences, like, play. I mean, besides, you know, all the other, like, low majors or low major conferences, like, they all play at their home arenas and, like, if they win it, they win it, you know, it is what it is. But this year, no, it's just something I just don't, I, right now I just, we put together a 29 and one team and we were like, there's no way this team's not winning it. Right. Like this is the year and we got defeated by COVID. So, you know, it is what it is. I don't think we're going to win it, but I, you know, we'll see. That team was so good. It took an act of God to literally stop you guys. So, I mean, you pat yourself on the back for that one. So speaking about Dayton winning a 10 titles, uh, what do you think we're closest to seeing a pirates winning season, not even just a playoff run, but a winning season. You could stop there. That's the other one, whatever your, whatever your second one is, it's the other one. <laughs> but what, what, what is your second one? <laughs> I was going to say a Dayton, a 10 title. So, Oh, a Dayton, a 10 title. Absolutely. <laughs> pirates. No, I- they're ridiculous. Dayton's going to win 10 national titles before the Pirates finally get that winning record. <laughs> yeah. I would I would put that Dayton oh, national title. Oh, man. For another winning record. The uh, fact that you're even thinking about it this hard. <laughs> oh. Well, you think, well, you know, how many times is Dayton going to go 29-1 and get a number one projected number one seed in the NCAA tournament? Like, not very often, right? Like, but the Pirates... If you want to go national, I, I would bet the Pirates have another winning season before Dayton wins a national title for sure. But 
making the sweet 16 again, maybe I'd bet Dayton on that one. I don't know. I don't, I honestly would. I don't know. The pirates have some flashes. I mean, they're still a fun team to watch. Don't lie to yourself. Don't <laughs> lie to yourself. Well, the pirates, I, the pirates be, I think the pirates won more games against the Mets this year than they lost. That's my team. Blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Well, the, the Mets are quite the blind squirrel right now. So. <laughs> All right. Um, for the next one, um, I have kind of my silly question. If you've listened to an episode, you've heard this weird one. But we're asking everyone, in a battle to the death, who wins? One of every A-10 mascot, all 14 of them, or 100 clones of Joe Lenardi? <laughs> So all 14 mascots versus a hundred Joe Lenardi's. Well, I feel like Joe, all the Joes will beat out everyone except the Philly mascots. And those will be the only two left versus like maybe five Lenardi's and the A-10 mascots will win because the Hawk never dies. The hawk but Joe Lenardi is a Hawk. So it's true, but he's not the hawk. Okay. So eventually he's just going to have to surrender because he's like, don't kill me because I can't die. I'm a St. Joe's hawk. And they just walk together into the sunset. That's amazing. So, so how do you take out a Billiken then? How do you take out a Billiken? Uh, you just need Jalen Crutcher. That's it. Yeah, that, that's, that's, uh, that's the right response. How many kills do you think the Flyers get on Joe Lenardi? I can see Rudy being like the Red Baron and just like, dropping <laughs> dropping bombs on Lenardi's but yeah I don't know he he'd beat up a couple of them but he'd probably get tired he's got a cleft chin it's crazy so next up the kind of the theme of the podcast that we're doing is it's an A10 road trip preview so when you're taking a road trip what songs would you want on your playlist what are your top three songs for your playlist first of all probably one of the best road trip songs of all time is I'm going to be by the proclaimers for sure, because there's nothing better than being out like on the middle of a highway in like, I don't know, let's say like Missouri or Kansas or something. And here you're just out and there's like nothing around you or even in Indiana, there's nothing around you and you and like your buddy are trading off the da 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 like there's nothing better than that and then you said three right oh yeah top three so that one's for like a middle of the drive where you're kind of like you need some peppiness and like otherwise you're gonna die of boredom you start off with like a classic rock song so i'm gonna go with kickstart my heart by motley crew because you like get right on the highway to get get out like once you start and you're like pumped to get on the road especially like if, wherever you're going and then by the end i'm listening to maybe some probably some country so maybe like willie nelson or yeah i like willie nelson that's a good one for like near the end of the trip where you're like kind of just getting there and you put on buddy or mama don't raise don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys those are two good Willie songs, but yeah. Does that answer your question? I like mapped out my trip. Yeah, that was great. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So for our last question, I joined the A10 Twitter scene last year. It's been really cool to just see the community grow. And I think that's probably a large part due to A10 Talk. I mean, that's the reason I'm on there. And then, you know, I've been seeing all the other Davidson people coming on there. It's just been really great to see the community grow. And I want to know as the person who 
is kind of in charge of A10 Talk and, you know, a big face um, of the community. What's your like coolest moment or do you just have any words about that in general? I think it was DMing or like, like DMing, like the players and coaches we watch, like just DMing Jamie and Christian and being like, Hey, like, let's do an interview and like talking to him and just like, cause like I'm a high school head coach myself. Like I coach tennis. Um, I'm a big tennis guy. So like knowing that I also coach and talking to another coach of like another sport, it was really cool to hang out with him for a while. And while they were on quarantine and just like shoot the shit about like being a coach and like just some of his philosophies and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, getting to know the players, like everyone knows, like I love Ryan Daly talking to him was awesome. Um, you know, and just learning, like, you know, these guys, they're just like you guys, like they're just like us, like they're college students, you know, they're going to college to get education, but they play a little basketball on the side. It's really cool. Um, they're, they're no different than us. Uh, I think that's like the coolest part of a lot of this and, you know, and it just takes a little bit of dedication and loving, you know, your school and something you like to do. And I love to write, like I've always been a writer and, you know, it's just developed into something that I love and it's college basketball and Dayton hoops. And so just like all that put together really has just been like one cool moment. Thank you so much, Chris, for coming on uh, today. It was such a pleasure to have you on. Where can they find you? They can find me at, at Parlay Pile. That is my other alias on Twitter. And you can follow us at, at A10 Talk because uh, join the A10 community. We are literally the craziest internet people on planet Earth. Um, I'm not even kidding. Like, just ask the mid-major madness people who made a crazy-ass tournament in the summer of all the different accounts. And pretty much the A10, like, went crazy for it so uh yeah we're we're the craziest people ever so join the community that's a great one i mean we tease each other and make fun of each other's schools but it's all in good fun until it's not so <laughs> Uh, and yes, if you're listening to this, join the community. Like he said, if you're a Davidson person, we're always looking for more Davidson people on Twitter, helping out with our endeavors. I know Davidson Dakota is always looking for more hands to help them make more graphics and stuff. We could always appreciate more people in the podcast and stuff. Yeah, we love more people in the A10 community. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to put a shout out there. I haven't started it yet because I, I wanted to wait until at least September, but if anyone is interested in writing or taking photographs for A10 Talk, there will be a application that comes out in September for you. And there's definitely room in some schools like Dayton needs a photographer. Davidson probably needs a photographer. We need writer. We could use more writers for GW. Um, we can use another writer for LaSalle. You know, it's, I mean, even... I mean, Cole could probably use another writer. So like, you know, if you are interested and you want to develop your writing skills, get some good experience in, and something to build on your resume, you know, DM me, give me a shout out, you know, whatever you need and we can work with you. So that's my little plug. Uh, I guess you might not be aware of this, but to close out all of our episodes, um, we're having all of our guests give a little Lux's litter box roar slash meow um whatever you want it to be can you give some kind of cat noise <laughs> oh where's my cat oh where's i have a cat come here kick cat 
Oh, she doesn't want to come here. That's lame. But yeah, she normally sounds like this. Thanks for listening and go Wildcats. <laughs> That's how she sounds. So there you go. Cole, I'm tired of talking about college basketball. We've been talking about nothing but college basketball for the last six months, Cole. I want to talk about college football. No. No? <laughs> Are you? College hockey. Oh, yeah, you're right. Which the good news is we can talk about both. We can talk about FBS, Division One football, and we can talk about the best ice hockey team in the nation and some great college basketball. This week, we're going to UMass. And we're going to be talking to the one and only Curry Hicksage. Yeah, we are. It's going to be exciting because UMass, UMass's basketball program has a lot of, well, just emotions, questions. It's going to be a great episode. I'm really excited to have Curry Hicksage on. Um, just like the UMass guy on Twitter, just um, nothing like him. And I'm excited for it.